want to go to war? You want a war? You're going to get one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the PNR Podcast. I am your host, Michael B. Proud, and today I have a very special guest with me. Say hi to the people, Leroy. Oh, that's right. I tricked you all. He's actually in a green room a little north of Boston. He'll be joining us in a second. But I'd like to welcome you to episode 48. It's entitled AMP Hopefuls. And if you want to know what the AMP is, you should look it up. Because it's uh, not as famous as a Pritzker. It's still something that me, the fake architect, (laughs) would appreciate. And a real architect would certainly appreciate so, like I said, if you don't know what the AMP is, the AMP, you know, look that up. Because, like I said, not as famous as the Pritzker, but still a good uh, award. And um, the Pritzker's more for the architect and not the building. And that's why uh, I went with the AMP, though. Because uh, we're not going to be talking... We'll, we'll, we'll be talking architects, but we're not talking specifically the architects, except in uh, one case... But the rest of the cases are are buildings, so that's why I went with AMP because that's more an award for not so much the architect but the building, while the Pritzker is more for the architect and not the building. So, all right, uh, number forty-eight came up with a a couple because you know uh, that's what I I like to do on on the podcast till I reach uh, double zero. I think I've already covered that though. So we're going with the Lee Smith amount of episodes. Red Sox great, great closer. Uh, another guy came up with another Red Sox great, Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> uh, I had such high hopes of Pablo Sandoval, and it just it didn't work out. And it is what it is sometimes. But uh, that's number another forty-eight though. And uh, I like the nickname though, because this is the P and R, uh, and a panda bear is kind of our mascot. So he's Kung Fu Panda. So there you go. Uh, another 48 I came up with is uh, Jake DeGrom. Excellent pitcher. I'd love to see him wear Red Sox one day, but uh, I, I don't think Kyle Bloom's going to spend the money on him, so he probably won't be doing that. But, uh, you know, I feel I actually feel bad for this guy because, uh, you know, the, the Mets have had success, you know, here and there over the past couple of years. I mean, they were in the World Series just a couple years ago, but... You know, he, whether they're good or not, he gets, like, no run support. And the guy has, like, a crazy ERA, though. His, like, ERA is, like, super low all the time. Like, I think it's below two usually. So it's just kind of surprising to see a guy pitch so well and then he doesn't get the win. It sort of reminded me of, like, uh, Pedro sometimes. Uh, we had pretty good lineups for him, but they just never came through when he would be on the mound because... I guess their other guy was really dealing as well because it's like, oh, if I'm going against Pedro Martinez, you know, I have to be as sick as he is. So the other guy would be dealing just as well as Pedro is, and then Pedro would get, like, no run support. But the guy was, like, pitching, like, around an ERA of, like, two or whatever. So, but, I mean, Pedro was still winning those games anyways, though, even without the run support. Because, you know, he'd give up maybe one run or no runs, and the Red Sox would score, like, one run or two so they were still like squeaking out wins for him, but yeah. So that's kind of what Jake uh, Degrom reminds me of, though. And like I said, I'd love to have the guy pitch for the Red Sox. I just I don't see it happening though. So moving on to my last uh, notable forty-eight, Tully Banta Kane. 
Uh, that's uh, Paul's favorite linebacker for uh, the Patriots back in the day. I think he wore another number two, uh, like in the 90s or whatever, when he first got to the league. But then he, he switched to 48, I believe. Or maybe it's the other way around. So, But yeah, Tully Banta Kane is the, the other 48 uh, that I came up with. As always, you can find me social media, Facebook, P-O-L-R-E-L, first name, P-C-A-S-T, last name, Porel, P-Cast. And uh, as I've said in other episodes, uh, hate the name, but it's kind of grown on me, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, so mo- moving on to Twitter now. <laughs> uh, at Twitter, you can find me, uh, the P and R podcast all, all together there. And on Patreon, the other one I try to plug is uh, the space P, say space ampersand, space R, space podcast. I kind of jumbled that up. We'll do it one more time from the tippy top. The space P, space ampersand, space R, space podcast. There we go. Got it off that time correctly. So I should just dive into my, uh, my what's it, Mount Rushmore of buildings that i don't want to call them buildings i hate um i'd like to i'd like to call them just buildings that like i don't appreciate oh okay it's like it's like not they're not even all buildings um the first one i picked the getty center by richard meyer but it's more of i just don't like him which i don't like richard richard meyer like i gotta put out to the audience uh the Getty, the Getty Center is not some building I'm in love with or anything, yeah. but it's it's this uh, this art collection, basically, in uh, Los Angeles. And uh, I like the building, though. So it's not on my Rushmore buildings I love or even like, a you know, a number two kind of Rushmore for that. Yeah, it's still a building. If I look at it, I'm like, hey, that's that's not bad. But uh, Lee, Lee will explain why uh, it made his uh, Rushmore. Yeah. Uh, Buildings yeah. he doesn't appreciate. <laughs> buildings I don't appreciate. And it's and it's like the, the building is kind of fine. Like as a building, it's fine. I just really, really don't like the way Richard Meyer designs buildings. I don't like what it says about architecture in general. I don't like <laughs> I don't like how he treats people. Oh, He's like man. notorious for like kind of just like using his employees. He got bopped recently in the Me Too <laughs> thing for sexually harassing his employees. Oh, and his, no. and his, and his whole like design approach is like make everything white and pure and exclude any complexity and like geometry kind of is king. And I, I don't think that's like how buildings really should be designed. Like, and he always does these like super pure white buildings in any context around the world. Doesn't well, matter where it is; it's always white. That's true. And, the, the, uh, the the Getty Center is uh, no exception. Yeah, and I heard him. It's like the mo- one of the most pretentious things I've ever heard an architect say. He says like his buildings are super pure white, so you can en- so you so it um so you can enjoy the nature around them. So it 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 makes the nature around his white buildings more beautiful. And well, like that's... I've. I've never heard a human being try to say that they can make nature more beautiful. Like it's the most <laughs> bullshit thing I've ever heard. 
Because in like a year after any of these buildings are built, the white isn't white. It takes constant maintenance to keep white. Like nature wants to make it brown. Yes. Like nature (laughs) wants to make it green. So he's his his like idea of making these pure white buildings is kind of a fuck you to nature. Like nature doesn't (laughs) want a white building. Nature isn't pure white. Like so he's he's fighting nature in this unnatural way. The resources it takes to keep these buildings white <laughs> is nonsense. And like there's there's another building of his that is in Barcelona that it's another, it's an art museum. And it's this kind of very idealistic, pure form in the middle of the city. And to put the building in the middle of the city, they had to carve out a huge chunk of the city, like to put this building up. And then he has big white walls surrounding his building from the city. So like for his building, his building to succeed, he needed to exclude the real like fabric of the city. It's just, it's so trash. It's like he excludes any, everything that doesn't fit into his perfect controllable bubble, super pretentious, kind of a secret asshole. (laughs) <laughs> and his buildings like his buildings look dated and they do nothing to address like the sustainability of building buildings in the current environment. Like he has, it seems to take, he doesn't seem to care about that whatsoever. It's reading all his writings about buildings. It's all about like the purity of the geometry and all this bullshit that doesn't really like connect <laughs> to real, like real human beings. Like it's just, so there's literally nothing I like about this dude. I almost put uh, a building on my Rushmore because of that. It's uh, I forget the name of it. It's like Torre Velasca, which is in the middle of Rome. It's in the middle of Rome. So if you think about the middle of Rome and putting a brutalist like skyscraper in the middle of Rome, that's uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, not going to work. So I almost did that, but I was like, no, these these other buildings are more ugly. So I'm going to go with these other three or four. Uh, so so I, I guess I, I, I didn't put that one. I didn't put that specific building on my list because it was particularly ugly. I just don't like. You don't like what, the architect. I don't like the architect. and I don't like what that says about architecture. Like architecture is so much better than that, especially the, like, I guess, our generation of architects. Like a, it is a big push to make buildings that actually like don't ruin the planet. And like, a, like they're <laughs> complementary to nature, not literally fighting nature at every cost. His, uh, his, he's really good at landscaping, though, or maybe whoever he he has, doesn't do the landscaping. Well, I was gonna say maybe whoever he has help him with that. So I don't necessarily disagree with him trying. I don't think he can enhance the nature, but I think no, he can no. build a building that meshes well with the nature, though. And I think that's what he at least did with uh the Getty Center. Now I, I don't. Think, I don't. Think I don't it, it doesn't mesh at all. I don't have just, uh, the the knowledge you have about this guy, though. All I know is yeah. the Getty Center. You know way more of his projects, so you could look at his other projects and be like, "Well, that you know, that's garbage or whatever." <laughs> well, the thing is, like, it's it's basically all the same project. It's like a white building <laughs> trying to be set in some landscape never any people in it never any lived environment it's like these kind of alien <laughs> spaceships just dropped in the landscape and it's in and there are architects that really do 
try to work with nature. They, they think about what materials are sourced locally in this area. They site their buildings so it works with a solar orientation. They think about how like the sun passes across these facades and heats them up or cools them down during the type of certain, certain times of year. Like that's integrating a building with nature, like thinking about it and like being respectful to nature. Well, not everybody. And he's not be, doing any uh, of that. He's not Frank Lloyd Wright, though. I mean, not everybody can be. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I feel like his his brand of architecture is what the industry should be and largely is moving away from. It's it's he's nowadays trying to stay relevant by saying, "Oh, my buildings." this perfect backdrop for you to appreciate nature. Well, you're post-rationalizing that. That's not what you were thinking at the time. You were on <laughs> some power trip that everyone thought you were super cool and you could do whatever you want. You got people to build your buildings and you had this super focus on the, on the geometry of buildings and really affecting people's lives. And it turns out it really doesn't. No one really cares about it. So big, I... I'm a big anti Richard Meyer dude. And he looks like Colonel Sanders nowadays. Like I, I have <laughs> nothing, nothing positive to say about this dude. <laughs> Uh, I must say, I love how you're shitting all over him. <laughs> yeah, he, and he he, he, reti- he he retired in disgrace. Like he had to leave his firm because of all the, the sexual, sexual misconduct. Yeah, like this dude is just he he's just trash, absolute trash. And there's so many great architects out there. I feel like some of them make other architects out to be these kind of like egotistical, like pretentious people, and they're mostly not. A lot most architects are really thoughtful. And some are just, I guess with every industry, there's some like people at the top that are just kind of like power hungry and oh, exactly. no, no one really like questions what they're doing because they're doing it. And this guy's getting people to commission his buildings and he's probably making a ton of money doing it. And he's teaching at Harvard and people are listening to him. So he thinks he's right. And like, no, nah, so I'm not a big fan of this dude. Um, <laughs> I guess that's I guess that's the point. That's the point of the episode, though. Buildings that I don't appreciate, <laughs> and people I don't appreciate. So he's <laughs> he, he's he's actually the only he's the only person on this list that got, get that got on the list because of being a trash human being. The rest uh-huh. of them are mostly <laughs> actually buildings I don't like. So I can talk to actual buildings on the rest of them. I I guess uh, I'm gonna have to expand the title of yeah. this one where it's. <laughs> yeah. uh, Underappreciated buildings. buildings, trash architects, and buildings uh, I hate. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. That's a good. That's a good. One. Well, the the next one on my list is actually by an architect I love. Usually, uh, so it's it's the Pompidou Center, Renzo Piano, in the middle of Paris. Like it, it does some similar things to that that museum I was talking about, the Richard Meyer Museum, where it like it. In order for it to exist, it just took a big swath of the city out and it just sits in this big plaza. Um, and I guess it was like, it was, it was, a, it started as a design competition in the 70s. And they were trying to do this like kind of museum of the future deal. And mm-hmm. it was, it was one of Renzo Piano's first buildings too. So I don't hold it against him. He's done a lot of really beautiful buildings <laughs> since and like a really, a, a lot of really thoughtful buildings since. And he was trying to be thoughtful, but he's being thoughtful, like someone who hasn't been around very long. So the whole concept of the building was take all the mechanical systems, uh, plumbing systems, ventilation systems, and rather than put them on the inside of the building, 
to save they're space. All, yeah, they're all lining they're all the on the outside of the building. So a lot of a lot again, of glass I noticed too, and a lot of the framework is exposed. Yeah. So <laughs> a couple of things on this one. I don't hate this uh, one though. Let me let me put that out before you go further. I don't hate this one. And it's not no 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 no. And it's not like the Getty Center either, where I actually like the Getty Center. I'm just yeah. indifferent to this one. I'm very neutral about it. Like I'm I don't love it. I don't hate it. I I think, yeah. I maybe I don't want I don't want to use hate for this one. This is no, one it's like okay. I, I get the you, I get you, the concept. You hate it. You hate it. It's all I good. don't I really don't <laughs> like it for a couple of reasons. Like so it's this is not a good way to heat and cool a building. Like you don't you don't put all the duct work on the outside of the building. It, you you get so much heat loss on the pipes. Yeah, I was gonna say you lose it, don't you? It and that's, doesn't yeah, that's work. Exactly what like, happens? And so it doesn't function all that well. It just creates all sorts of ledges and stuff for birds to sit on and shit on, and <laughs> environmental dust to collect. So it's it makes itself this big collector of all the pollution in the environment outside. <laughs> so it looks weird. In the inside, you like, yes, the in, the interior spaces are big and grand and nice, but you could have also put the mechanical systems in there and still did it. Like they had to, yeah, they had absolutely. to make, they had to make these custom structural hangers that hold the mechanical equipment outside. So rather than spend the money on making these custom structural hangers, just expand the spans of the structure and create a zone on the interior of the building, on the insulated portion of the building to house the mechanical equipment. Like, it seems like it was, it's trying too hard. I guess it, it's sort of coming <laughs> down to, it's trying way too hard. And I, so in a combination of it trying too hard, it looking just a mess every time I've been there, um, it being a little bit too futuristic for my taste in general, it's like, it's not subtle. There's nothing subtle about this. And I think like really good buildings have a subtlety to them. They don't need oh, to be certainly. the most like ostentatious building in the world, like literally screaming at you to be like, I'm different. <laughs> like, really like nuanced buildings. It's like, it's like a good song. Like the, like a good song is something you want to listen to over and over again. Not like something that's super catchy and like, yeah, you get it. And it fizzles out after the first few listens. And then it's just like some, some junk you hear on the radio. Like the what? good songs are the ones you come back to like, 10 years after it and still like pick up on some lyric or something. So what you're saying the, is this, this building hasn't endured basically like so, well, it, even though it's another, still there, it hasn't endured really. <laughs> it really, it, to some extent it has because it's been like, it's like a novelty and people come back to it because of the novelty. It's like huh. some pop song from the seventies. Like <laughs> some people really like it and they, they like, I think mainly people like the, the graphic quality of putting all these, these mechanical systems on the outside. Like they painted them different colors. So it's, it oh, looks yes. really striking. So it's, it's very bold and it's like ballsy to do that. So I think people like it graphically, but like when you're thinking about a building, the design of a building isn't just how it looks like a well-designed building functions really good too. And like, doesn't, doesn't take away from, doesn't need to be the loudest building in the neighborhood. Like, so in, from like what I call a good building, this doesn't hit very many of the, many of the, the criteria. Like it's, 
it's big and it's weird and it's cool, whatever. Yep, it's fine. Definitely, definitely novel. They made, made all this bent over backwards to make this building happen, but I don't know. And it's, no. it's, it's, de- it's definitely become like a thing, like a, a cultural thing that a lot of really cool artwork has been based off of. And I, I actually kind of like, there's even like, um, I forget who designed it, but there's like an Air Force One version that was <laughs> reminiscent of those red, um, blue and yellow streaks of the Pompidou in the who, soul, which is kind of cool. Like I who, like the shoe more than I like the building. Who came so, first, uh, IMP or uh, or uh, the the other building? Because I feel like the the Louvre came after, and it may have uh, taken inspiration from. Uh, uh, I don't know when the when the when the pyramid was built. I feel well, like it was know. after. Well, I, I the IMP thing is very different. Um, like I don't mind, I, I like being like a kind of a, a like an icon. Like I feel like the Louvre did that better. Oh, certainly, be, certainly. Because it, like <laughs> it's 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 a little bit more elegant. It's not painted all sorts of different colors. It's not like rethinking the way mechanical systems are run in like a less efficient yes. way. It's like it's like a it's a simple it's a simple gesture as well. Like it's not overly complicated. L- looks incredible at night time. Too. Looks incredible at night. It really. So <laughs> I feel like it's it's a different beast. I, I really I actually really like the loop. Um, but I like I said it might have took it might have took st- uh, style uh, points though. From the Pompidou maybe, Center, though, maybe, maybe possible. I mean, a lot of things because all happen. that glass and all that framing is uh, very reminiscent of it. it. I think they're actually both reminiscent more of like this 1920s building called like the Crystal Palace, which is one of the first like oh, in, steel uh, and iron structures. Yeah, I think that's probably the like the inspiration for well, most of that. But yeah, any that's the that's the granddaddy of them all. Any any building that's like that, uh yeah, yeah. I can trace trace inspiration back to, to Crystal Palace, certainly. Yeah. Now but, so, um me being the George Costanza of architects, ooh. I gotta I gotta ask <laughs> I gotta ask you a question because you're the actual architect. Yeah. As an architect, even if you're a master architect, which he wasn't at the time of uh you know, the, the Pompidou Center, wouldn't you consult with your firm or wouldn't somebody in the firm say to you, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that with, uh, you know, putting all the, the, the pipes outside or, you know, wouldn't, well, the, that, wouldn't that, that sort of discussion take place? You being an architect, wouldn't somebody, yeah. wouldn't, yeah. So why didn't that happen with that building? He was, I think this was one of the first buildings where he was out on his own. Like, oh, this he is didn't him. have any help? I'm sure he had, I'm sure he built a firm around this, but I think this was one of his first major commissions. And also, and because this was like, it started as a, as a design competition, I think they really wanted, they really wanted something like bold, like bold was going to win. Like they needed something bold to win the jury of the design competition. This was that. <laughs> it was also, it was also built in a time that like people weren't super conscious of the performance of, buildings like we weren't tracking the amount of carbon building buildings used on a yearly basis so it's kind of it was built in another time and i'm sure they they found a way to insulate day one like insulate the pipes well enough so that they could function but like year 10 we are re-insulating the pipes because the insulation blew off like i don't know it's like oh, man it's like a weird <laughs> it, was a, it was a very ambitious thing it has this it was built in a very specific kind of period in time. It it would never be built now. There's no reason no. anything like that would be built now. No, yeah, there's no way. 
Yeah. And it's, it's a time like it probably they designed, they had this concept that won the competition at that point. You kind of have to go through with it. So I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying probably a very complicated, thoughtful process they all went through in the seventies, but who knows? No, I think what you're saying is pretty true though. Um, like I said, I, I maybe don't know in the background as much as you do, but I'm sure France, France, uh, I don't want to sound uh, disparaging when I make this remark, but they're very avant-garde about, about things. That's that why, that's why you know, um, a piece of artwork in the 1920s was a urinal because yep. that's just that's the <laughs> that's the culture there. It's very avant-garde. They want to be cutting edge. They want to be new. So when something like this comes along, and it's like it doesn't, nothing about it matters as long as it had a new feel to it, and it did. It yeah. certainly did at the time. So yeah. And it's weird because I really like, I really like Renzo Piano's work. And I even really like the work of the engineer on the job, Peter Rice, like the guy that designed all these custom brackets, they call them like Gerberettes or something. So they both do really thoughtful work in like later on in their career. So like, this is not like a Richard Meyer situation where they're, they're actually monsters. They're actually, they're fantastic architects and engineers, really thoughtful. Um, I just don't particularly love this thing they made. Yeah, they just they 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 shit the bed on this one. That's all. They kind of they were early. In the, I don't know how old they were when they did this, but they they, they kind of shit the bed. I mean, if they if they're in their like thirties or forties doing this, like of course they're gonna shit the bed. It's, yeah. So Everybody, everybody's bound to make a mistake, even even if course. you haven't in uh, in your career. Oh, I, I mean, no one gave me this much responsibility. I mean, if they did, it would probably be a, probably a disaster. The ego gets to oh, no. me. I'm no way, treating no way. people terribly and turn into a monster. Who knows? <laughs> no, there was, there was the guy with the cat tunnels. Wasn't that a very... Uh, you were very responsible on that project, weren't you? Oh, yeah. That, that's like someone's house. Even like the bigger buildings I'm working on now, are these are one thing, but like these giant city block museums, like icons because the whole thing was designed an icon like that was the goal is to design something kind of crazy and and he did it so i don't know it's your, it, it's your definitely firm a different, get, different time your firm could get a commission like that but i just don't see that happening at least in boston though because boston doesn't think so yeah they don't do things that way anymore no and then after, so after then city then, hall that was it it's like okay yeah you gotta you gotta work First in smaller cod finds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, the next two buildings on my list are two Boston buildings. Cause I don't want to do all like kind of wild, like around the world building. The next two are Boston buildings. And one of them, the next one I I don't know if they're in any in any particular order, but the next one I was thinking about talking about was there's a uh Mass Art, the school on Huntington, right now, actually right next to where I went to school, Wentworth and Mass Art are like share a couple city blocks down, like in the Fenway area off Huntington now. And Mass Art built this building probably like five years ago. That's, That's five an, years ago? <laughs> yeah, it's not long. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, wow. It's horrendous. <laughs> and so to describe it to people, like it's a tower. It's a straight up. Yep. I guess you'd call it a skyscraper. I, I don't really use that term, but like non-architects would probably call this a skyscraper in, in like a part of the city that doesn't have many skyscrapers. <laughs> so the, the skyline at this point is kind of mid-range buildings. 
some nice ones, a lot of dorms, but this thing like is, is really prominent in the skyline. Mm-hmm. So like in, <laughs> when you, when you do something like that, you kind of have a responsibility to do something nice or at least not terrible. But what they did is like the cheapest possible <laughs> shape extruded straight up. And then they use a series of colored metal panels that are kind of try to meant to make the facade a little bit dynamic or interesting. And maybe, maybe it's reminiscent of like paints on a, on a, on a canvas or something, but it's like streaks of orange, green, brown, maybe some yellow in there, but it's just like, it looks like a joke. It looks like a bad, <laughs> it looks like a bad student project. Oh, man. So in so not only is the building like vertically streaky, like imagine if like up in the sky you had a blank building and you just drew on it with a paintbrush <laughs> up and down streaks of different colors. When you look at the building like beyond the chaos of colors, this it's a facade, it's basically all revolves around the colors but if you can somehow look past the colors they have windows that are tiny and offset from one another and and step up and down on the facade that have no real like logic from the outside so it just looks like a mess of a facade like you like you put some windows and then scrambled them around and then painted on this facade (laughs) and it's and what's tough about it is it's so prominent because it's so tall around everything around it. And there's a lot of brick buildings around it because it's Boston. And there's actually a really beautiful building right behind it done super tastefully with really nice materials. And it's a mass art building. It's one of their dorms. It's probably one of my favorite buildings in the city because it's so like quiet, but done so well and, and uses a material that you don't see all that much in the city, which is channel glass. They have big channel glass facades, which are really nice. So <laughs> it's it, they plop this monster down <laughs> right in front of this yeah. really like really nice building. And I get it that they can't really like they had a they probably had a super low budget for this. I get it. Yeah, because Mass right, Art is a, that's a tiny school. Like it's it's a tiny school with uh, I'm but, sure not a high endowment, and um, no, no. they don't go nuts with uh, the tuition charges. So no, but like that's they, why they don't have the they budget. Built, they didn't. They didn't have a big. I'm sure they didn't have a big budget, yeah. and I'm sure metal panel was all they can do. But they could have done something. Like they have a building as an example right behind it of a building that probably had a very similar budget done by the same school this this one was probably 10 years before this mass art skyscraper and it, and it looks fine though it looks wonderful it yeah. looks really nice like so <laughs> it's it's the design was bad like it they took like the cheapest kind of <laughs> off the cuff idea and like made a building of it and it's like yikes like no one stepped back and thought like is this gonna look good in even five years because even the color palette is like dated now and like (laughs) i don't know it's just such a brutal building to look at and i feel like it just brings the general quality of the buildings in the neighborhood down there are some actually not even in addition to the building i really like behind it mass out hired a really well-known um new york office to do like a little extension to one of their buildings it's like a little performing arts center that's really well done too like (laughs) 
and they they just didn't need to do this. They could have done a million other designs, even using the same materials, toning down the colors, thinking about how the windows align. There's a million ways they could have done a better job, but it seemed like so, like, like there was no rigor in the design. Like the colors are all over the place. The windows are all over the place. It, it like I look at it and like my blood pressure starts to go. Like my, I get my, my heart starts to race because it's chaos. Like it's not. Stay away. Calm. Stay away from that. It, it really, it really, it, it, tell, it tells me to stay away. It tells me these people know what you're doing. It looks like chaos. So I guess if you're ever, if you're ever down in the Fenway area, visiting like Northeastern Wentworth area, down Huntington Ave, you'll see it. Look for the giant, like, yeah, because there's really the sky. No, there's really no other tall buildings in that area. I mean, there's a couple, but not that height and not well, new. Like Mass Art has this big black glass tower, which whatever, it's it's super ugly and not great, but at least it's not screaming, look at me. Like it's not it's not demanding your attention in the <laughs> sky. Like most people most people would just look at it and be like, Oh yeah, it's a big building. Like it just becomes like a context building. It just, it just exists. It's there. It's a building. It is what it is. It's not like screaming for attention. This one is, and it's just breaks my heart. And I hate, I hate that it takes away from this beautiful little building that sits behind it that I really like. It's, it's by a designer. His name's Q Sung Woo. And he does really nice academic buildings. And it's usually a palette of brick they have like, I, I really like kind of polished concrete floors, like simple, a lot of glass and curtain wall. And then they, he uses really nice channel glass on the inside. So it, and it like, it totally blocks that from view from Huntington Avenue. Like you really have to go out of your way to see this Q-Sung building now. You, you know, what's funny is you mentioned uh, like, you know, you said it's only like five years old or whatever. I really thought it was built in like the ladies, like 1987. Really? Yeah. I was like, that just it screams to me <laughs> 80s for some reason it does it's so bad like it's, it's already somehow dated and it was built like i'm trying to find like the real like really when this was built it, it couldn't have been that it couldn't have been that long ago i gotta correct myself it's 2012 so i guess at this point 10 years ago but still relatively new um still kind of a big piece of trash in the sky but not definitely not definitely not my favorite um definitely not my favorite building so it's a building that i don't particularly care for um all right so last building that i don't particularly care for this is another one that's like it's in boston um i actually i there's actually now that i think of it there's a ton of similarities um so i couldn't find what is the harlow right i couldn't find that when i couldn't find that when i looked it up it's relatively new it's there's a there's i don't know if i guess probably maybe some of your listeners would go to to fenway park for for at some point in the future but there's there's been this whole like development down boylston street that's like a block over from fenway they built all this new row of buildings like a lot of residential buildings um probably some like office buildings too, but it's a lot of residential buildings. And I'm, I'm currently working on the one that's like the last one in the row that's now in construction, but they've kind of built, been building them like over time down this, this row from kind of landmark center. 
down towards Fenway. So but the building I'm working on currently is on is down closer to Fenway. The one of the first buildings in the row is this residential building. It's all of the same things I can say. I, I, I'm saying about this Mass Art Tower really do <laughs> apply to that same building. And I, I didn't really put two and two together that the designers of the Mass Art Building, the, the name of the firm was Ad Inc. And it's the same ones for this one too? The, they got technically, they got bought out by another company called Stantec. But yes, it's the same fucking company. <laughs> so Stantec is the designer for the Harlow. Um, it's, it's again, all the stuff I, I guess I've already said I hate. It's super tall, which all buildings are in the neighborhood. But it's like a red and yellow facade that's like slightly <laughs> kinked. It's, it's screaming. It's like is dying for attention. So they did another bad paint job, essentially. They did another bad paint job. Um, <laughs> it doesn't stop there, though, because like with the Mass Art Tower, it's it's one thing all the way up. Like it's one big mess of a facade all the way up. With the Harlow, they chose a couple of different materials and made each material try to be like kind of stand out and make each material very special. But like when you use five different materials on a building, like you use yellow metal <laughs> panel, red metal panel, then they have this faceted brown precast that just looks horrendous. So it's like a facade that has no real like logic or like rigor to it. It's just kind of a mess. And with the prominence of what it is, it's the first building in this row so like when you do something like that, like you have a responsibility to like, just chill. Like, don't like, don't wreck the skyline for everyone. Cause as you're <laughs> driving down the street, you're going to see this thing dead on. Um, this one's a little bit newer. The, the Harlow is like in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's built. It's, I guess it's built by the same design for, I guess this company Stantec is like this Canadian engineering company oh, that goes, Oh no. They go around and they like <laughs> they buy up um, local architecture offices in different cities, and they like kind of take them over and make them their own. But like it's it's such like a weird like I feel like it's where architects like go to die. Like there's there's, there's very little good design comes out of them. Like their name is Stan Tech. I think it's after <laughs> a dude named Stan. I legitimately think the founder of of Stan Tech. I don't know if that's true. That that might be no, that might just be hearsay. That sounds correct. <laughs> I'm gonna don't, look it up. Stan Tech founder. Don't Don sell Stanley. Out. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Don so there's a dude in 1950s <laughs> named Don Stanley, and he <laughs> names his company Stantech. Whatever. It's in mo it's mainly engineering, but they, they kind of go around and they have this. They have this like MO of just buying up smaller design firms in the city and just kind of smushing them under the Stantec umbrella. Don't sell out bird works. Don't do it. No. Don't watch do me it. watch me be like working there in two years and have to take this <laughs> no, podcast down. No, no way. <laughs> I well, wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I have I mean I have friends that work there. They seem to like the environment, but the buildings are just blah. Like if if they're doing stuff like the Harlow, I want nothing to do with them. Because it's, it's it's also all like, it's all, I mean, I don't hate metal panel. Like metal panel buildings, buildings can be fine, but like just the way they did it is so like all over the place. There's no clear logic to it. It's trying to be super like ostentatious. Like, hey, look at me and this new building. So it's like screaming. <laughs> it's like, 
there's there's no nuance to it. There's no subtlety to it. And it's just like, when you look at it, it's like, blah, like they let down the city by putting this up and being part of the skyline. So it's, I guess I'm being a little dramatic, but like, no, I don't know. It, it's, it's what people you're that saying like, is true. They these these companies keep on making this crazy shit that's unnecessary. It doesn't yeah. work well with what's already there, and it ruins the, the the city because of that. And I get I get why they do it because like when when you're going through the design process, you start with like some kind of schematic renderings of stuff you'd you'd like to put up. Um, usually get stuck with a pretty tight budget, and if you design to to what would look good in a rendering developed like by people in a computer and then Photoshop to look good. like you can make a lot of stuff look good in renderings. But if you don't think about how you're actually going to build that thing and like the materials you're going to use, and like how flat it's going to look from certain angles. If you don't really think beyond those renderings, you kind of stuck. You, you end up, <laughs> you end up designing a building that when it's built, it kind of sucks. And it kind of just looks like a rendering made into a building. Like good, like good buildings have materials that like maybe the materials age with time or they're, they, they're reminiscent of the similar materials in the neighborhood or that they're done in like a, with a craftsman eye to it, or they're done in a unique way or, they have some subtlety that you notice from a distance, but when you get close, there's something really interesting about them or like there's something more than just like this blah concept extruded up. Now the, the city doesn't have final say in this, do they? They have a lot of say in this. They have a lot. Well, then why would they let uh, a building that clashes so much, like actually get put together? I, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, thing to say because they they have these boards of people that their 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 job is to like make sure nothing wild gets put up and they're not they're not doing that though maybe they're just bad at their job well (laughs) some people like if you ask two people their opinion on something you kind of get differing opinions and if they're just look if they're just looking at a bunch of renderings they're photoshopped to look okay if they're I feel like in, in the case of the, the mass art tower, that's just, that's someone built literally built a rendering with all the Photoshop, like softness and warmth that people put into these renderings to make them look more appealing on a screen or on a print. When you don't doesn't have those work, things in yeah. real life, it doesn't translate. So that's what I was if saying, it doesn't work when you start doing it. No. And, <laughs> and if, if you have like no nuance to the design, it's, you're just left with like a constructed rendering. So I think some of the approvals process, if you rely too heavily on renderings, I think it can slide by. And then when it gets built, people are like, yo, like, okay, maybe a great, not, not a great idea. So, well, I don't know. I feel like you kind of, with that, you kind of get, so, well, those are the four buildings I just talked about. I think you get the general consensus of what I personally think is like a good, <laughs> good building versus a bad building. Like the responsibility the designer has to the neighborhood around it, responsibility the designer has to like make the building like sustainable, not this like burden on the ecosystem around it. So, and just general asshole talk about <laughs> Richard Meyer. <laughs> I think, and everyone has their. I'm curious to hear yours. What are yours? Before I uh, head on to my buildings, are you familiar uh, with 
the name behind the Getty Center? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. So, yeah. uh, so you Dude, know all about that... J. Paul Getty and all like the just the, the weird behavior associated with him. I know of it. Like, I, I feel like there was like a movie recently about it or, or yes. like a mini series or something. That... No, there was a movie and um, I forget who played J. Paul Getty in the movie. But um, that's just one of the things associated with him. They made that movie and it was about his uh, grandson's abduction. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's I think that's what I was thinking. And of. this guy, this guy's worth like billions of dollars. And these kidnappers were asking for I don't I think it was like 10 million or something like that, which even, you know, back in the 70s, that's uh, you just for inflation. It's a lot of money still. But yeah, this guy, this guy's worth billions. And he refused. He refused to, to pay the ransom on his grandson. Yikes. He told he told the 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 kidnappers, I'm only going to pay two point two million because it was the the most he could uh, deduct from his taxes. Whoa. And, and, <laughs> and, and then the father who's like, hey, I need this money to, you know, get your grandson away from these kidnappers. He let him borrow the other eight hundred thousand on a loan at four percent. God. Yeah. 4% like loan. Completely Jesus. miserly, like he, like he, this dude it's is brutal. evil in some respects. His uh, his that makes own, sense. His own son died of like a brain tumor. He's like an eight year old boy. He dies of like cancer, basically. Tumor. Uh, doesn't attend the funeral, and it wasn't, Oof. and it wasn't a reason like, oh, I'm too grief struck or whatever. He's like, I'm in Europe right now. I can't, I can't go. This guy sounds like an absolute monster. Him, <laughs> yeah. him and Richard Meyer deserve deserve each other. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. you can also see what you know with the Getty Center. You could see what billions can get you though, because that's all of his artwork basically in the Getty Center. So he, yep. he donated that building and he donated all the art in it, and so I appreciate that much at least because uh, a guy who was an artist, I've always felt like. That stuff belongs in a museum so people can see it. So even if I become some sort of rich dude someday with this podcast, I might own some authentic artwork. But for example, like, I don't know, a super famous Renoir or whatever. I'm not going to try to acquire it. It's going to I want to go to a museum. So that's have just how the, I always felt about that. Have you seen the um, the going in the Getty Center is huge. Oh, yes. yes. But the there's another firm that did. In addition, um, a Boston firm, Machado and Silvetti, I think they did a nicer addition. Like, this, like when you when you get a chance, look it up. Like, the, it's like they did like they're calling it like the Getty Villa. I've it's seen like, like a, an entire encapsulating view uh, overhead, probably shot with a drone or something yeah. uh, of the area. It kind of looks like it all intertwined. So, whatever that <laughs> firm did, it, it even if it's new. It has it's really reminiscent of the old. You should look at it. I feel like they did a better job of, of designing a building that kind of works with the landscape. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's like board <laughs> form concrete. It's like legit sits within the building. Like let's the vines grow up it and all over it. And <laughs> it still has like a presence to it. But there's all these like really nice details of it, like the way the like the steps step down and there's a couple beams that they notch notched into each other. And 
I, I, I'm just a, I think I'm a sucker for Boardwalk and Concrete, <laughs> but they, I think they did a really nice job. And theirs is like more set into the hill. I don't know. I'll have I like to remember. Their to, I'll have to remember to check it out after the episode because I don't want to distract from uh, this hit list I'm about to do. So. I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious about your hit list. Yeah, let's get it. Okay, so um, I didn't have. Uh, a crazy criteria when I keep my list, at least to myself. This very easily could have been I, I hate Frank Gary episode if I was just lazy because <laughs> I hate a lot of his buildings. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I, I did put some thought into this and he did make my list. And um, but I saw some other stuff that I was just like, oh, that's, you know, that's worse than the Bill, the Guggenheim Bilbao, for example. So, but that was on my list too. But <laughs> when oh. I narrowed my list down, I found stuff that was worse. So this first guy is actually, I don't want to say he's the greatest architect of all time, but um, uh, he's very well-respected. And um, if you look at a lot of his stuff before he got into his older years, you'd actually be surprised that he, he made a building like this one. But um, as he got older, he moved into a more uh, brutal style of architecture. And this isn't um, brutalist. Well, maybe the con um, the construction is, but uh, it is regarded as modern, though. So the, the first, uh, the, the fourth place one on my, my Rushmore is uh, I don't really speak French well, so I'm going to butcher this probably. But Chapelle uh, Notre Dame du Hut. So um, that's actually located in Ranchamp. Uh, France. It was built in 1955. It's in the modernist style, like I stated, and it's by uh, a gentleman by the name of Le Corbusier. So um, <laughs> Lee is very familiar with this architect because, like I said, he's very well respected by real architects and fake ar architects like even me. And um, I love a lot of his earlier work, to be honest. One of Lee's uh, favorite buildings is actually done by this gentleman, and it is in the brutalist style. And it's one of his uh, few. Uh, he had a few, right, in the United States. No, uh, that's his only. That that's his. his Wasn't yeah. he involved in the UN uh, building in New York? Uh, maybe you got me. I thought he was his only one. Though. Hold on. I think. Uh, I. I don't think he has a lot of um, works in the United States. Well, certainly not. Uh, most of his stuff is in Europe and South America, I believe. But. Um, yeah, that the one in uh, Cambridge, that's actually a Harvard uh, uh, design center, right? They, uh, it's a design center. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You are. There was like a bunch of architects that were that all like helped that UN building. But uh, and he was one of them, right? He was one of them. You got okay. me. Like, you got me. You got me. <laughs> no uh, last yeah. names. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> my bad. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I only did it once this time. I only did it once. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you got me. He, he's, he's definitely part of that part of that crew. But the, yeah, that one in um, the one in Cambridge is like legit all him. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. And so uh, you, you hate Ron Champ, huh? Interesting. Yes. yes. Uh, well, <laughs> not this, not the city, just the the chapel. That's yeah, the, I guess people. Uh, I, I guess I don't know, architects mm -hmm. refer to it as just Ron Champ. Like the city um, doesn't exist. Like it's all about. Oh, <laughs> That's that's very fair to the inhabitants. <laughs> yeah, I know. Real, real rough. I, I mean, I don't uh, blame you. It, it's it's a thing. It's it's definitely not one of his most elegant works. And 
same thing i was i was ragging on that mass art building with the windows all over the place yes! <laughs> the same that's <laughs> exactly what i was gonna mention he's got yeah. many stupidly placed windows yeah and they're one's like a big window one's a small one and then they're just all over it's like can't if, blame uh, you whatsoever <laughs> It's like if uh, Picasso made blueprints and then he took a piss on the finished blueprints yeah. and then the rind- the windows were covered in that urine and they just moved all over the blueprint after that because of it. All over. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. I usually I'll defend Corbu in a lot of ways, but can't defend this one very much. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a rough one. I guess that's that's really what bothers me more than anything. It's yeah. just the the way he set up the windows in that place. But so, yeah, you got stupidly placed windows. They're all different fucking sizes. It looks insane. And then a lot of the other stuff, too, that usually doesn't bother me. It just it kind of did, I guess, on this one, because I don't sometimes I don't mind just random forms that are thrown together and conjoined. But on this one, that, that does bother me. It feels like just a lot of random cylinders and then flat edges just like thrown at weird points. And then the roof is ugly, too. Let's let's not let's not kid ourselves. The the roof, um, maybe he should if he would have painted it white, I wouldn't have probably even complained because at least it would have matched the rest of it and said it's ugly concrete color like that's been weathered. So it's not painted any color because maybe even if it was another like he painted it blue or gold or i don't if you just want to painted it it would look so good but it's like ugly stupid like raw concrete yeah fucking ugly which was you know it i don't for some reason it works in like habitat uh 67 for example which is like one of my favorite buildings but it just it the roof on this looks fucking stupid and ugly it's it's discolored and it's not even like the shape is just really rough and strange like it curves up on one joint and then it kind of like overflows on, on other wall. It's, oh, this is like the worst. And you know, the, you got this Roman Catholic uh, saying this about a church. So that just goes to show you how bad this building is though, that I will pick on a church. Like it's quite bad. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It, exactly, like Lee says, you know, he's, he's a Corbu guy. He will defend core boots to the death, but not on this one. He doesn't want to die. No, can't, can't touch this, this one. Is, this is a bad building. <laughs> and this is why it's it number is. four building I hate. It's kind of, it, it is like an icon. It is like a thing, but like, it's not. Now, I, it's, it's not good. Before I, uh, when I said, hey, I'm having a tough time whittling it down, and I got core boo on there, what did you know I was going to go with that building when I, when I picked him? I had a hunch. <laughs> I had a hunch. <laughs> hey, well, uh, the, th- the, th- well, the thing with that, though, is he's you know how I hate brutalist architecture. I mean, I could have there's a few other ones I could have went with with as far as uh, he, he goes. I picked a few other ones. In fact, I had picked another church, uh, uh, St. Pierre's Church. I, I'd pick uh, that, I too. Know. Nope. That one wasn't that one wasn't nearly as bad as so when I was actually whittling down the list, I'm like, you know what? I don't like this one either, but it's not nearly as bad as this church. So, all right, we'll we'll take it off the list. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like this has to be one of his like weirder, less interesting buildings. So I can't can't blame you whatsoever. 
I think it still has like a kind of cult status, though. Like it does. It does. So like you and me, for example, hate it. But there's 50 percent of like his other fans out there. that are probably like, oh, that's that's his masterpiece. Or no, God, it's I, 50. God, I'd hope not. But <laughs> you never yeah. know. Uh, <laughs> for sure, you'll you'll run into some like super. <laughs> Super Corbu stands that love this one, but it's just of all of all his buildings, it's definitely not not my favorite. <laughs> and it's it's I I I I mean we studied it a lot. Like you study it like first year in design school. Like it's a very like oh wow, buildings can be wild wild thing. Like it's very like oh we can do whatever you want with a building. They even did this shitty thing. So it's like <laughs> it's like it's a very like first year design schooly thing. <laughs> Like, look how ridiculous buildings can be. Like, it's it's a kind of that kind of example. But. Well, I, if I were teaching a course and I was, you know, that was my uh, my lecture for the day. Uh, it'd be a very <laughs> Frank Gehry heavy uh, class that day. Oh, is that next? Is that next up? <laughs> well, he's he's on there. That was a given too. No spoiler alert there. Yeah, uh, yeah that was coming as well. Why do you think he changed his name? Corbu. No, Gary, like uh, Le Corbusier, that's like a nickname from what I understand with um, yeah. Gary yeah, changed his like, name. It means I think Corbu means like the Raven or something. The Raven. Right? Yeah, I forget. <laughs> his, first name, his, his real name is like real, like chill. Like every time you hear, I forget what it is. When I hear, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's I like that name. I think Corbu sounds so dramatic. I it's think like, it's so something dramatic. very like common French, like uh Eve uh, Cartier or something like that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of, I, I think any, well, maybe any French name sounds cool to like an American person. But, like he doesn't need to try that hard. You don't need oh, to call no, yourself no. The, the Raven, dude. You don't need to try so hard. No, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, and Frank Gary just changed his name because I think his name stinks. I forget like what his. I think it His was name's Ephraim, Ephraim Goldberg. I think he maybe Ephraim Goldberg. Maybe yeah. he didn't want to sound so Jewish because maybe anti-Semitism. I don't know. But I just, maybe I think that's kind of lame, though. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I like I like I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess I've never felt inclined to change my name. So it's like it's a very personal thing. Like he must have must have uh, had a real reason to. But it, it worked for him. I uh I took a, a banom de plume myself just because I was so pissed off at uh how um you know somebody writes something excellent like um this is uh Orwellian my my nom de plume is or- Orwellian in inspiration uh I'm sorry to get sidetracked well that's what we do on this podcast uh, yeah. <laughs> um it's very Orwellian in origin and it's just because he wrote that book um down and out in Paris and London about being a tramp, basically not a tramp in the sense uh, he spreads his yeah, legs for everybody, but, you know, uh, basically homeless and poor uh, and not genuinely. But this is what he did basically to write this book. So, you know, he takes up a different name, though, because he's like so ashamed and he doesn't want to bring shame to his family. I kind of looked at that and got pissed. I'm like, no, if you write something great, you you attach, you know, you attach your name to it. So then that's why I took a proud because anything that I I write. I'm going to be proud of. Yeah, so, like that. That's kind of like, why it's like good to it's like good to say. I feel like that's like even Frank Gary. Like Frank Gary sounds like a cooler name, and like the a name kind of means like like a name like flowing off your tongue. Like it means a lot. 
I think like, if um, he just would have went with his original name, though, he probably still. Know. Yeah, we'll never know. know exactly. We'll never know. I always, I always think back to like, I feel like I, I went through like a World War II history phase, and I was reading some book saying that, um, like Adolf Hitler's last name, like Hitler, is a very like aggressive, like it's a name, like it's it's a powerful name. His last name was almost Schicklgruber. <laughs> and I think the father you know, like, changed it or something, right? Was that what happened? it was? A, it was a family. Like, I don't know, somewhere along the line, it could have been either. And someone made the decision that he, his last name was going to be Hiller. But like, I always wonder, like, would, would World War II not have happened? Yeah, like no one's following Schickle. a dude. No one's following a dude named Schicklgruber. Like no one's like, I feel See? like it's so there's a lot in a name. And I don't know. I feel like, I don't Perhaps know. Perhaps you're right. I, and again, I always this think is... like, what a this is something we'll never know. Like with Gary, never know. Like, yeah. But perhaps you're right. Like exactly. Who wants to follow uh, Adolf Schicklgruber? Like, yeah, <laughs> I just not me, bro. <laughs> so, but Mike, I'd, I'd, I'd follow Mike proud. Mike proud any day. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to try to hit those last few on your oh, list. Oh, yes. Before yes. I gotta go. Yes. Yes. Um, are you familiar with Steelhouse? Steelhouse Steel is like the movement. No, that's that's the name of of this house. Oh no, I'm not. Steelhouse is uh is located in Ransom Canyon, Texas. It was started in 1973, but it's currently unfinished. I guess according to the the plans, because uh the guy that made it died. Um, the st- the the style is artistic, so it's actually. I don't really consider it an art installation because it's very inhabitable. It's oh, like... I just I looked this up. Dang. <laughs> okay, I see. It, it was made <laughs> by. Uh, an... <laughs> okay. I like your wow. reaction. I like your reaction. Uh, architect's name is Robert Bruno. He's uh, more of an artist because of a lot of his other stuff is sculptures. But uh, I'll give him architect because it's functional house. But um, its construction is uh, scrap steel welded together, 110 tons of it. Wow, um, this thing. <laughs> maybe you'd like to do the description. <laughs> mm, it looks like it's it, it looks like a vehicle from Star Wars. <laughs> and it's it made is... out of like core 10 steel, so rusted core 10 yeah, steel. Yeah, it's all rusted. In a very sculptural, brown as hell, very sculptural. The windows are all kind of oblong, weird shapes. That's the Um, only thing I got nice to say about that, though. It's it like sits down on the ground. Kind of interesting. It sits on these like three legs. Like those houses have like a foundation like this. The legs are legs. The legs are hollow, which I don't understand how all four of them are hollow. Well, if if they're like welding all this shit together, like the skin so... becomes structure at that point. If this is like plate steel, that's so top heavy, though. I would imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. First of all, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why you do this, but I don't know how you afford to do all this. It's incredibly expensive. Um. What What Lee is describing right now is actually a giant abstract brown pig. It does look like a pig. That's oh, what God. that's what he's going for. Look at that side. Oh, I see it now. 
And you it know, totally I, looks like a thing. I could talk about this, but it wouldn't really do justice. Like you have to go look this up yourself to see what we're talking about. And I'm glad. I'm like, glad you brought it up. I never. Would have seen <laughs> like I had said, though, the only redeeming quality it has is its windows. And even the windows, they're like stupid looking and bubbled out and stuff like that. Why? What makes what I can say they're good, though, is because they're placed well where you have good like panoramic views of the, the canyon and the scenery around you. But that's it. Like, there's nothing else good about this. This house. I kind of I, I don't mind this as, as much as I hate <laughs> like a public. I mean, I don't like it. I wouldn't enjoy this, but th- if this is one person's house, like if they want to live their life in this house, go to town. Like no one else needs to see this. It doesn't affect anyone. Like it's not sitting in the middle of a city being an eyesore that everyone needs to respond to. This is like some weird ass house in the middle of nowhere. But like if someone loves this house, let them be. It's problem, not, affecting, not affecting anyone. Problem is it's in a residential community. Oh, is that so? Yes. So people Ransom do have Canyon. to see this. Yes, there's uh, there, so neighbors are probably mad. There are neighbors in Ransom Canyon. I don't know if it brings down the property value because it's famous for its ugliness, which can kind of help weirdly. But um, yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> so Interesting. I really I never knew this one. I can't really go in the great depths about this building, especially because Robert Bruno, like I said, he's not even really an architect; he's more an artist. But yeah, again, this is uh, <laughs> just a big metal pig <laughs> in somebody's neighborhood that's uh, outside <laughs> Lubbock, Texas, if uh, you want to go visit it. So yeah. <laughs> um, my number two building. Uh, I don't know how to say this because uh don't speak Vietnamese, but Hang uh, Nga, maybe. And it's in. I don't, uh, I don't know this one either. Day lot Vietnam. Uh Hang and Ga is spelled uh H A N G space N G A. I don't know if it's Hang uh Hang and Ga or I don't like I said, I don't really know how it's uh pronounced. Oh jeez. Oh so you, it up now. You, you got it. <laughs> Crazy house. Yeah. <laughs> uh in, in English it's <laughs> in English it translates to Crazy House. Oh, and it's yeah. uh Day Lot Vietnam. It opened in uh, 1990. It's under expressionist style. Dang. Uh, the guy, the the architect. It's a- actually part of his name is uh in the, it's so so it's Dang Dang Viet and Ga. It's uh it looks like it's it's construction is mostly wood, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's like uh pieces of, like a fiberglass and stuff. I really couldn't find um too many notes as far as the the construction went. But like I said, it's it's got to be mostly wood. I don't think you can get that effect any other way unless you paint it somehow. But I'm sure like at the concrete? bottom, there's like is I think pour- there's some, I think there's some concrete and maybe some fiberglass, too, because it looks like there's some thin panels that are like weathered yeah. and curved over. This looks so. like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't even I have like this two sentence or three sentence description. And uh, I'd rather just go with Lee's description, Nightmare. 
Yeah. <laughs> you really nailed your list right now. <laughs> these, are uh, some, these are some rough ones. Uh, I'm surprised they don't teach you this at Wentworth to be like, this is what you shouldn't do nah. when you when you get a job somewhere. <laughs> yeah, don't make a giant beehive. This thing's terrifying. Um, it's it's tw- I like to describe it as twisting up from the ground. So yeah, where yeah. where more bu- where most buildings is like, oh, here's a straight edge. And, you know, even if we twist it going upwards, it doesn't like it doesn't twist at the base, though. And this is kind of this is what this one does. Though. Starting at the ground, it twists up. Yeah. Um, color wise, there's a lot of earthly tones like you don't see any like interesting like thing besides this like. Like I said, it looks like weathered wood and it's like brown and like there's parts that are yellow. Like he's mentioned the beehive, like so like a really dead yellow color. There's some greenery on one side, though, and that kind of. But again, it still contributes to like the earthly tone palette that they kind of used for or he kind of used for the his uh, building rather. And um, I don't know. This is like as it goes up the spots that it looks like they're bulging. And then there's some spots that looks like it's decaying, but it might be designed that way to like kind of give it like a, I don't know, like another shape. So it might not even be decaying. It might be like cut out that way. And yeah. it's it's just piles up upon piles of ugly. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a pretty. This is a, this is a brutal one. Yeah. This makes me ashamed to be a fake architect. <laughs> <laughs> Some dude spent so much time doing this, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to have. Because, like I said, it opened in so 1990, but it must have took him years to at least get to that point, especially because oh, yeah. it just looks unsafe. So even just in, in construction, like like setting up the scaffolding must have been like a chore just to work around like the unsafe spots. Like, <laughs> And it also doesn't look small. It's hard to like tell from the photos. This looks kind of big it's very tall i don't know um i didn't get like a meterage or anything on it but it is uh it looks like a tall building at least it like it looks like it looks like it's an anomaly it, it looks like it's at least four stories if not taller like it could be way taller than that even so yeah it's hard to see <laughs> like in context this shit's weird though <laughs> i like i almost like i almost forgive the like this is like a like a dude that did this on his own because he really wanted to do it, did it on his own. I kind of forgive this more than like Richard Richard Meyer is like <laughs> like he he knows better. Like people doing this themselves, they don't know anything, but they're just doing what they think is cool. I think this guy's a legit architect though, and this is just what oh, he came up he? with. I have yeah. that feeling. Yeah. I don't I mean he's not as he's not as prolific as a lot of other architects, clearly. Because it's not like, oh, you know, he's Mies van der Rohe. Like, he's not, he's not that. But I mean, I think he's are a there legitimate architect. Than, are there more than one of these? Not that or I I'm encountered. Just look, I'm just like looking at pictures from different angles and stuff, and they look a little bit different. That's probably <laughs> what it is. Yeah. It, it, Every side looks different. It's a circular building at the base, but it's actually, I don't know, it's got three sides. Who knows? Which is, it is. <laughs> Which is weird because it's more square and triangular at the top, but it only—I don't know. <laughs> every every picture of it looks different. 
Like, there's no two <laughs> pictures look alike. I'm glad you put me onto this. Definitely gonna. I, yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna be something to remember. That's for sure. Make sure uh, tomorrow, before you even start any work, you you open up your email, you add all your contacts, and then you just send this picture of that house around. <laughs> With no, with no, with no context, with no, just no <laughs> caption or anything. Guys, I have an idea. Just yeah. No, that would be, no don't do that. You'll get fired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how I lose my job. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just send it around and see what people's thoughts are on it. That'd be yeah. pretty funny. Okay, I'm curious to hear your number one. My my number one, and it's it's not a surprise to Lee. It's not a surprise to people who know me very well. And like I had foreshadowed at the beginning of this episode, uh, this episode very easily could have been I hate Frank Gehry and then just four Frank Gehry fuck ups. But um, again, only four. (laughs) Well, I could have done 10 on him. (laughs) Okay, so my number one is I can't speak Spanish very well either, even though I can do it better than French. But I think it's uh, Hotel Marques de Riscal. So. That's in uh, Spain. It's in El Ciego, Spain, which I'm not familiar with. I'm only familiar with like Madrid and Barcelona and stuff. But uh, so, yeah, it's located there, though. I guess it's near Bilbao, which is uh, Frank Gehry's other pride and joy. I think that's maybe his favorite building that he's ever done. I don't know. But um, yeah, it is like the Bilbao is like his like is like main, like the thing he's most most known for. for sure. Yes, I would. I wouldn't even argue that. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, even though my favorite Frank Gehry is in New York and yours is in Boston, I wouldn't still argue that, you know, the Guggenheim is less you know famous than those, even if I like yeah. the other ones better. Because uh, the Strata Center, that's kind of grown on me. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. Yeah, because it's a little <laughs> bit contextual. It's like a little <laughs> bit contextual with the brick. It's like it had to make an attempt. The rest <laughs> of them just are in their own world. So. <laughs> um. His uh, it's the style of this building. Uh, what you gotta understand about Frank Gehry, and I don't know if this is uh, attributed to himself or uh, other architects describing him, but he's style-defying. But what style-defying? He defies the style. Oh, no style. style. Yes, yes. If yes. you want to give him a style, you have to call it Gehry style or something. Yep. But a lot of his works, if not maybe not all of them, can uh, contain de- deconstructivism in them. Yeah. So yeah. I I'm actually going to go with this the style is deconstructive style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course uh architect Frank Gehry we already covered that. Now, um it's conventional below. It's you know a lot of brick and wood and concrete stuff like that. So nothing crazy below. But you know we all know what Frank Gehry did on top cuz he does this with a lot of his buildings. So there's the, the construction wide, there's metal cladding all over this building. And I almost picked his uh museum in Seattle. And I don't know, this just this kind of this bothered me more though, because the there's something very like soothing. I can't believe I'm saying this about Gary. There's something very <laughs> soothing. You love him. <laughs> no, I I don't. I really do not. Secretly. That, oh, yeah. There's something there's something down there. There's something you like about. I don't know. Maybe no, you can't put to words yet, but the, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. No, I don't. I don't like. I wouldn't commission him for anything. 
And I know that I make whatever I build super famous, but I just, I already told you, Lee, if, uh, you know, if I get my way, I get to build that house in Marion that I want. I'm hiring you. Yeah. You, you just made to make sure there's a, a lighthouse and a castle turret and some other weird uh, ideas I have. Yeah. Mind, but. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd hire him either. Like I, I'm not like a super <laughs> fan of his, but like, no, his work has, I, I can appreciate it for it. It's definitely wild. It's definitely, it's definitely all over the place, but it actually has a logic to it. Like it looks like chaos. Oh yeah. We, did, we discussed that can... in the, the first episode, like what you said. Yeah. yeah. Like he's an, a legitimate architect and he takes legitimate architecture, you know, concerns yeah. into his works. But after yeah. that, it's just, I don't know, but whimsical. <laughs> yes, whimsical, but not appreciated by me. Yeah. Um, so like I said, it's very traditional below. But then he's got these waves of metal because he he just has to have and they ride it like an ugly toupee. And I don't know. It, it, I I had a tough time to, uh, choosing between this and uh, Crazy House from before as my number one. But there was something just I don't know. Those waves bothered me. And then he has this yeah. big purple stripe wave down the middle of it. And I was like, OK, you're fucking first place. You should have been first place anyways, no matter what else I had on my list, because I don't yeah. like you. I like a few of your buildings, but like how you should he... know better. You should know better. You <laughs> <He> should. <laughs> much, he like should you, sure. much like you hate the architect behind the the, the Getty Center. I, I yeah. hate uh, the guy behind uh, Guggenheim Bilbao. Oh, OK. But uh, that's this is the one I went with, though, because like I said, there was about three or four other ones, maybe even more. I think I might have been more on my initial list. And then I just I this one just bothered me more than any of them, because like I said, it's just a, like ugly whipped cream topping bullshit on the yep. top of this building. And it's just like a, it's all fucking like just like like I said, waves is the best way to describe what it really is. And then that one purple one down the middle offsetting just so fucking ugly. So yeah, I, um, like I always I always thought of it as like ribbons. It's like ribbons <laughs> kind of like That's... twirled up and it looks so like delicate. Like it's like a pile of like cut up ribbons that could just blow away <laughs> strong gust of wind. I, I like your description of it because, yeah, that's another good one, though. It looks like fucking just ribbon, like all piled up. Yeah. Strewn about to like make like a little cute little pile on top. Uh, I, I fucking can't stand this building. I hate it more than anything else is Gary. Gary's done. And like I said, a lot of I hate a lot of the Gary stuff. And then there's even the ones I'd hate, though, I found like a redeeming like that Seattle one, for example, there's three buildings that are lined up and they're all like a different color metal. And for some reason, they kind of soothe. So even when you look at the other side of the building, that looks like it's like fucking just trash thrown together. These kind of these other buildings kind of offset that and still kind of make it nice, on, at least on one side. This building doesn't do that. It's just, it's fucking, like I said, it's just piles of metal that looks fucking stupid and ugly. And <laughs> there's, there's no form or anything to it. So, yeah. All right. Um, normally, you know, we close out. Uh, I'll let you at least say, you know, say, say your stuff and then I'll record mine later. So, uh, what do you want to put out there real quick, if anything? I don't particularly want to put anything out there. I just say, uh, yeah, I don't really want to put it out there. You don't even uh, want to throw out a, a shout out to the the misses and the kid. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Maybe maybe do shouts uh 
uh, wife, uh, wife, Ashley, call her bird. Shout out to bird mm-hmm. and uh, shout out to little Elbel, my little, little daughter, Ellie, who's kind of a monster right now. Uh, but like the best small person I've ever, <laughs> ever met in my life. She's my absolute favorite small person. I like my two monsters too, so I feel you. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's growing on me. But yeah, shout out to that. That was a good idea. Oh, and uh, Winston, my little pup, little dog, Winston. So shout out to the fam. All right. Uh, nothing else, though? No good nights or charities or quotes you want to throw out? Um, one, all right. One, one, one quote from someone I talked about earlier that I really do like. Um, it was actually from the engineer of the Pompidou Center. He said he said something to the extent of like, and I think this is a, applies to architecture in general and architects trying to do kind of novel things. He said that like true innovation comes from understanding how things al- have always been and changing one small thing in the oh. process of how they've always been that has a ripple effect throughout the whole process. I mean, he says it better than that, but it's not plopping some wild thing down <laughs> changing all the rules all at once it's like understanding how the rules got that way and why they got that way and changing or optimizing one piece of the equation that makes the whole thing better but coming from a place of understanding rather than a place of starting over and starting from oh. scratch so I, I i tend to i tend to use that one quite a bit and even thinking about how to approach a project it's like understand how things have always been in the past and start from there well yeah he, so. he had a quick ripple on that one i'll tell you that much yeah <laughs> so. but uh okay so i'm gonna record my uh my other smaller portions and uh good night to you lee thanks for coming on the show yeah and fun. uh we'll, we'll have you back because we always love having you back and Hopefully there won't be any time constraints or uh, Zoom doing this bullshit to me. I, like I said, I might have to switch to Teams. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, thanks, sir. Thanks for having me. So, okay, we'll be seeing you. All right, later. Later. Okay, uh, we're gonna cover my portion of the remember four things now, because uh, Lee just uh, did his. He was in a hurry, so, but um. The quote I I selected was uh it's a, qu- a quote from Mies van der Rohe my my favorite architect personally so here here's the quote architecture starts when you carefully put two bricks together there it begins and I think uh I think he's not too far away from what architecture really is cuz you know you can't really have a building that's two bricks. Let's let's be real about that. No one can live in a building that's two bricks. No one can live in just two planks. No one can live in uh, two stones mortared together, two panels of glass, two, you know, whatever. You need more than two. But at least the architecture begins there. Because when somebody puts some thought into how they're going to... I mean, yeah, even as far as two bricks... As soon as somebody puts some thought into how they're going to do that or how they're going to put those planks together or how they're going to put the, the stones together or the, those panels I mentioned or any other type of material, once you carefully start thinking, that's where it begins because you're going to go from there. You're not just going to stop there and be like, this is the end of it. And then that's where the architecture comes in because you're going to use architecture to carefully craft you know, the building or the, the 
the abode or whatever it is that you're using the architecture to build with. So, you know, Mies wasn't wrong there. It really starts when you, you're just, you put two bricks together, but you do it with care. So I like that quote because it's simple and as maybe incorrect as it sounds when you first listen to it, it actually is correct. My shout-outs um, are to all guests past, future, and present. And uh, the Red Sox, who have been doing well lately. I, I mentioned them at the beginning of the episode, so of course I'm going to end with a little shout-out to the Red Sox. Um, it, looked like it, it looked like a bad season was on the way. And, you know, there's still a lot of baseball to play. The Yankees are super far ahead or whatever. But the Red Sox are doing well enough to at least get some recognition from me and the rest of the fans. So I'm definitely going to throw a shout-out to them. Because, like I said, a lot of baseball to play. Probably not going to get first place. But the fact that we could actually get a wild-card spot with as horrible as we began the season is incredible. The only thing I was sure of was we were going to be better than the Orioles. Because that's like every year, almost. Like, uh, when was the last time the Orioles made a playoffs like 10 years ago or something maybe i don't know they it seemed like they were good one year they kind of squeaked in or whatever and then i think uh the blue jays beat them in the wild card game or whatever it was so the yeah the orioles always stink so i just knew we were going to be better than them that's the only thing i was sure of so and uh my other shout out is uh to the celtics um you know they uh it is what it is but you know, we're good, and uh, it looks like we're going to be good for, you know, a, a long time ahead. So, yeah, shout out to the Celtics real quick. As always, donate to an ALS charity, ALSA.org, ALS.org. Either way, that will bring you to the ALS Association. And good night, Malcolm Butler, wherever you are. <laughs>